Thank you for tuning in to Church on the Rock podcast. We have a great sermon in store for you. We hope this message challenges you, builds you, and motivates you into taking the next step in your purpose with God. Enjoy the sermon. We are going to continue to talk about acceleration. And it's, I get so excited when I hear a preacher that is in tune with God get up and talk about increase and acceleration. And uh, I was asking earlier, how many of y'all saw uh, uh, Reverend Jesse Duplantis last night at, uh, at uh, Pastor Nancy's church in California? If you didn't see that, tonight you want to go home and get on YouTube and type in Dufresne Ministries. And that's a, um, that is a, that is a message you need to listen to over and over again because that's what God is doing. He talked about God is speeding things up and he's causing things to happen quicker than they normally happen. So now that's, 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 uh, that's Joseph Prince talking about uh, uh, acceleration. That's Jesse Duplantis talking about acceleration. That's Dr. Jacobs talking about acceleration. That's Pastor Nancy talking about acceleration. I'm going to get there. That's Pastor Nancy talking about acceleration. And it's one more. Uh, Joe Lowstein. Joe Lowstein, he talked about acceleration in 2016. And because uh, I went back and I started, I did a Google, no, I did a, a YouTube search on the preachers that preached on divine acceleration. And, uh, and in my study, in my study in the Bible and the scriptures I'm going to be sharing with you, God has always called us acceleration. He's always called us to acceleration because he wants things put back where they belong. And, when, and when, when things get put back where God wants them, it's called redemption. And he doesn't want redemption to drag out because then every day it drags out. That's another day that the enemy's plan prevails in the earth. Amen. The enemy's plan prevails in the earth. Now, God could have got it over quicker. But I like what Hillary B. Yeoman said. She said God bound himself in order to ex execute redemption, to put everything back where it belonged, where Satan has no dominion and authority anywhere in heaven or in earth. He has no, he has no authority, nothing of his work exists. And Jesus was manifest, the Bible said, to destroy the works of Satan. Everything that he promotes, Jesus was anointed and is anointed to destroy it. Now, and now, in order to execute that, God bound himself that he would use man so that he cannot heal without man being involved. He cannot deliver without man being involved. He can't preach the gospel without man being involved. And the enemy's job is to infiltrate the heart and minds of men to slow down redemption by using the works of the flesh, using worldly and sensual things, using strife and division to slow down the plan of redemption, using religion to slow down the plan of redemption so that the plan takes longer than it, than it should. So finally, we, and so finally now God, I mean, he's getting to me, he's getting to some other people. He says, I want this thing sped up. Amen. I want this thing wrapped up. Amen. 
because we preached this and he preached, Jesse Plans preached that last night, and I talk about it all the time in the church. The church closes, the church determines when this age closes. People say, well, I'll be glad when Jesus comes back. Well, get your job done. Because he's not coming back until the church finishes its assignment. When you look at the blueprint of the church, which is the book of Acts, it's the first church. It is the first actions of the church. That's the book of Acts. That is how a church should function, which means a church should, a church should be actively engaged in pursuing Jesus and his will every day. Every day. And that's for every believer. And that's how they live. Well, the church is best now is down to two days. The church is working part-time on a full-time assignment. The church is working part-time on a full-time assignment. So if, if, the job if the job requirement schedule is every day, but I decide to come, and the workload, when you look at workload and you look at staffing, and the workload and the staffing, the staffing based on the workload requires us to work every day. I remember I used to work in a manufacturing plant, and based on the number of products we had to make, we determined that the manufacturing equipment could only make so many products in an hour. Amen? And then when we look at the demand of, of the customers and what they wanted the product and how they wanted the product, we look at the demand, the, the demand, and then we look at what our, what our equipment could produce based on the number of workers we had. Then it, we determined if we were going to work one shift, two shifts, or three shifts. And so there were times because the demand was low enough, we just ran the equipment first shift. Then it got to the place where the demand increased and we ran it first and second shift. Then it got to the place we ran it first, second, and third shift five days a week. Then it got to the place when they looked at demand, they realized, wait a minute, we got to run this plant 24-7, seven days a week because that's the demand. I'm going to tell you what the assignment for the church is. <laughs> and all we was doing was making uh, liquid soap and detergent. Come on now. <laughs> we were cleaning up America. And <laughs> I guess I was. I'm telling you. <laughs> and Jesus is ready to clean up the whole universe. Amen. And if a natural job took 24-7, seven days a week, 365 days a year, that's how that plant ran. We ran it till the lines broke down, and then we'd come back in and do maintenance. But when you look at the book of Acts, it's 24-7, seven days a week, amen, seven days a week, 24-7, and, and I say, how do you get 24 We got to go home and sleep. Yes, you do. <laughs> I worked a double shift one time. I worked 18 hours one time. I said, this is not humane. Nobody should get off after working 16 hours, rush home, and, and try to calm down and get in bed, say hello to a few of your, your children and your wife, grab something to eat, go to bed, jump up, and do it all. And then you got to get dressed because you don't get eight hours of sleep. You work 16 hours. How many people know it's just eight more hours in a day? 
That's your driving time to get to work. That's your, that's your grooming time to get your clothes on. <laughs> that's any kind of shopping you need to do during the day, you know, and things like that. That's brushing your teeth, amen. That's, that's trying to see your wife and your kids. You don't get eight hours. You get, about, you get about five hours of sleep and three hours of calm down and prep to get back out there again. I did that one day, and I told them, it is no way. I'm working 18 hours a day. I said, I, I mean, uh, 16 hours a day. And then I had to, <laughs> I got home. <laughs> it's the first time in my life that, that I worked through the night and the sun came up and I was trying to go to sleep. And Pastor Cynthia had the kids and we were pulling down the shades and trying to create darkness. <laughs> I was trying to trick myself it was dark. I mean, it shocked my whole system. It shocked my whole system. I went back to work. I said, I can't do this. I said, we're going to do 12s, but I ain't doing 16. It'll give me a little more time to be at home and get things together. Well, God is running a worldwide redemption operation. Amen. Amen. Praise God. He's running a worldwide redemption operation where somewhere on the planet there's a Christian up. <laughs> saying, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Amen. So you're going to get to sleep, praise God. I'm not talking about wearing you out where you die. You're going to get to sleep. But when your son comes up, Jesus said, work while it's day because the time is coming when no person can work. And so what God is doing, he says, I want the church to meet the standard they should be meeting to do their part in executing redemption. I want them to do their standard part. Turn to Romans chapter 12. I want, you, I want them to do their standard part in executing redemption. And I remember I taught a Bible school class. And I think it was on a class called The Total Man. It was a book by Dr. Summerall. And he was talking about the time people can devote. He was talking about the time people, different people can devote to working out their part of faith to execute redemption. He said this, a person that is single is going to have more time to work in the kingdom than a person that's married. They're going to have more time to work out the plan of redemption, their part in redemption, than a person that's married. A person that is married, we can get into this, <laughs> let's talk about them first. They have eight hours of sleep. God said he gives his beloved rest. Sleep is when your body begins to rejuvenate itself. When he says he restores your youth like the eagle, sleeping is when he does that. That's when your body recuperates. If you don't get enough rest, you're hurting your body. It can cause death. There's cases in the, people, in the Bible where, where people were overworked in service and got sick because of overwork. I don't plan on doing that, and I don't plan you on doing that. Amen. Amen. Jesus got good work. Uh, <laughs> he's got good work policies. <laughs> Amen. Praise God. He tells you to get rest. Amen. So when it's time for you to rest, don't be standing up all night long, watching the big screen, wearing your eyes out, and then knowing you got to get up early the next day, and you, you, you are taking rejuvenation time away from your body. You can be shortening your days. 
So, um, so everybody's got this eight-hour block that's gone. So you only really have 16 hours of potential service. For me, it is the 16 hours. That's it. It is the 16 hours. Now, now and let's talk about this. But a person that is, is serving in the body of Christ and the ministry helps is going to have a job, typically. Or, they're gonna, or there's going to be a, a parent in our family, Pastor Cynthia stayed home and watched our children. So her job was as soon as everybody got up and bodies started moving around the house, those, five, those four bodies started moving around the house, she was up for breakfast, lunch, dinner, clean up, diaper change, teaching, all of that went on all day long, and it's every day. It's, uh, you can't get rid of your kids on the weekend. How many people know that? They are going to be there 24-7, and you got to be a structured person to have naps and snack time and teaching time and training and all that, because those kind of things go in. So when a person is married with children, you can almost take 16 hours out of their day, sleep, and the household responsibilities, you can get some breaks in there. You may spend some time in the Word and things like that. You may be able to fit in some breaks in and things like that. But when you look at it normally, a person that is working or a person that is, is working at home with the family, uh, 16 hours is gone. When I went to work, I didn't have my Bible out studying my Bible on my job. There was, a, there was one of the ma managers at work, and he would read his Bible on the job. And our supervisor, my supervisor came by, and, and he, knew we he knew we both were believers. And so he never saw me reading my Bible while the production lines were running. <laughs> so, so, but he saw this guy doing it, so he came to me, and he knew I was a believer. He said, is that right for him to do that? I said, no. I said, that's the company's time. He gets breaks. He gets a 15-minute break, and he's got a lunch break. That's his time. He can read his Bible anytime. But now he should be doing, he should, he should be running his quality reports. He should be walking around the line and make sure product quality is, is intact. There's things for him to do. There's job description for him to do. He should be reading his Bible right now. Well, he told me God wanted him to read his Bible. I said, I don't know what God he was talking to, but it ain't the one we serve. But anyway... But anyway, I'm just saying that now, if you have a job that gives you that kind of liberty, then that's totally different. That's why God really wants you to work for yourself. It's like Miss Carlita got up here and she said, I can clock in and clock out when I want to. Amen. Praise God. Just pray about it. This is a year of acceleration. God may be telling you to have your own company and there's going to be more responsibility in that. But we're still talking about time times we have to do our assignment to execute redemption. And I'm telling you, God is, is, is about speeding that up now. So he wants me to, the Bible said, redeem the time. Amen. Amen. Redeem means to buy back. And so that I can use that time for the kingdom. The Bible said, redeem the time because the days are evil, which means there's opposing there's opposing forces and abilities that, that's trying to halt the plan of redemption and trying to stop the church from, from executing the plan of redemption, their part, thereby keeping us here longer. 
He said, until the gospel is preached in all the world, I'm not coming back. The end does not come. Who's responsible for preaching the gospel in all the world? Not religion, the gospel. So the people got to know what the gospel is. The gospel is the, is the empowerment that comes from the blessing where we teach people that God wants their life blessed. He wants them to have life and have it more abundantly. And we're living a lifestyle to demonstrate it. We're living in the demonstration of that life. We're walking in health and healing. We're walking in the power of God. We're living in such a way that the power is working. The power that moves darkness out of people's life. The power that delivers. The power that heals. The power that prospers. The power that builds your life and your family. The power that gives you joy and peace. The power that gives you the, the, the fruit of the spirit where you have patience and long suffering and you can deal with people without being frustrated and angry. The power to stay out, out of this world and not let this world overtake your life and the lust and darkness of it. The church has to have power to be able to live that way and demonstrate it in front of people and give them an opportunity for abundant life. Amen. And salvation to through Jesus Christ, that is our job. And while we're doing that job, there is no limit to what God will provide to do this job. There is, no, there is no resource. There is no limitation on any resource. There are no restraints in getting this job done. He wants it done in the overflow. He wants it done with abundance. He don't want it done on the badly get by budget. He doesn't want any, any person that's executing the plan of redemption. He wants it to do it with the blessing on them. Well, your, your, your family and your life is loaded with the goodness of God. Amen. Amen. And, and if you go, and, and you should, go back and listen to that tape last night with Jesse DePlantis at Pastor Nancy's church. Everybody needs to read that. Listen to that over and over again because it will destroy limitations in your mind. It'll destroy, especially in the area of finances. It will destroy it. Right now, we need to destroy it because... We're building that building up there and all the land around it. We're going to need it. God has put us right there. He said this church will be among the largest in this city. That's the assignment. Praise God. There's somebody going to have to get some money up in here. You go around and drive around and look at the buildings in this city and the plants in this city. I'm just telling you what he said. It's going to take service. It's going to take, it's going to take devotion. It's going to take people, people being able to minister to other people. I am not going to try to wear myself out and do it. I was over there today, and I was over at the church building today. Praise God, everything, and we, we, we just we just around the corner from finishing. And so, you know, and they were doing the parking lot, so I didn't get a dumpster over there because I, I I didn't want it to be in the way of the parking lot. But some trash piled up from the construction debris, and I was over there. I said, "Well, I'm over here. I'm the only one over here. I can dump some of this stuff out." And the Holy Ghost said, "Don't you dump nothing out?" Well, then I grabbed a bucket anyway and dumped it. He said, "What did I tell you?" I said, okay, I got you. Then I grabbed another bucket and I dumped it out in a couple of rolls or something. He said, what did I tell you? I said, I got you. I'm getting in my truck. And I just drove off. I left it for, for some of y'all to come over and pick all that up. Praise God. It needs to be picked up tomorrow. Sometime I'll talk to you about people who can come tomorrow. And then all the 300 chairs showed up. They all sitting in the foyer of the church, lying in the hallways on great big giant pallets. And then they called me to unload the truck. 
<laughs> and then they called me to unload the truck. I mean, I got on the phone. I called Brother Jim. He showed up. I called Brother Matt. He showed up. I called Brother Bradford. He showed up. You showed up too. I got a hold of you. Praise God. I said, okay, I started scanning the church. Brother Neville showed up, but we showed up in power. And then Caleb showed up. And then the driver said, well, I got another stop. I said, no, I got all these people over here. This is your stop. And he had to turn all the way around and come back to the church. He said, your stuff is in the back. I said, well, move all that up. He said, well, I got to move, move all that. Move it all out of the way. Get these chairs off of here. This is the chair brigade. They here. <laughs> and I don't want to be holding them up. And so, man, <laughs> so there's 300 chairs. And the back's got to be put on them. So they came pre-assembled. Praise God. So six, is it 6 o'clock? What time is it Friday? 6 o'clock is going to be a chair party. Assemble your chair party. And we don't want the back of your chair crooked. We don't want it to look like you put it together. We want it to look like it was factory assembled. We don't want the backs leaning on the chair. So you got to put it in straight. Amen. Well, God has got us on. I'm just telling y'all on assignment. Y'all on assignment, praise God, to execute redemption. And God wants it done faster than we're currently doing it. I'm trying to say everything to get to that point. He wants it done faster. So if we look at a person, you got eight hours and all this stuff. See, I had to work through all that yesterday. Couldn't call everybody. Why? Somebody's at work. Couldn't call everybody. So you got to work through all of that. But the job's got to get done. The kingdom work has got to get done. Let me tell you this. The kingdom work is your most important assignment of your life. It is not your job. Because he said, if you seek the kingdom first, everything that the Gentiles out there shall be added to you. Everything they're out there working, he said, is not going to be waged to you. It's not going to be hourly waged to you. Seeking the kingdom first to execute the plan of difference, to bring this dispensation to a close is the number one assignment on Jesus' mind. And he cannot do it without us. That's why he says, I will not forget your service and your labor of love. Your service is number one on his mind. And when you read the book of Revelations, the first four chapters, he said, I know what you're doing. He told every church, I know your service. And what, what's happening in the body of Christ is service has become lackadaisical. It's become lackadaisical. People decide whether I, I don't know if I want to be in that ministry or not. Well, you know, you're going to have to stand before the king and give an account of service. So my job is to teach you right, to let you know that your service counts, what you do here counts. One of the ways to struggle as a New Testament believer is have no ministry of helps in your local church. And all you do is hit the seat and get up and leave. Hit the seat, get up and leave. Hit the seat, get up and leave. Trying to figure out how to get the blessing. Those are the people that never walk in the blessing. Amen. Then they wonder why. Then they start getting mad about tithing. God ain't after money. He's after honor. Uh -huh. And honor will determine how you serve. Honor determines how you respond to his word when it's preached. Honor determines how you respond. And he measures all of that. And when we get to heaven, the first thing you're going to start doing is giving out award, rewards for people's service. Amen. And don't get no attitude. If they go through the list, 
And you still waiting on your name to get caught. <laughs> Don't be getting the attitude talking about, I know I shouldn't have came up here. <laughs> Don't be getting the attitude. He said, I know your service. I know your labor. I know your work that you did to help me fulfill the assignment on my life, which was redemption and the closeout, the consummation of this age. And Father bound himself that he would not let the plan of redemption be executed without the body of Christ. So you have to find out your purpose and find out what God's called you to do. And you have to wholeheartedly give yourself to it in the hours of time you have. We talked about your work time, your sleep time. That's eight hours in there. When you get home from work, you got, if you got a family, you got to do homework, PTA meetings, parent-teacher conference, homework. You got to do laundry. You got all these kind of things to do, cleaning the house, cutting the grass. It's all kind of things to do. So a family is a place of work generation. A family with children is a place of total work. It is going on. And even while you're working, train up your children in the way they should go. Teach your children. You're still serving God when you're at home. You're at home in your house. It still should be servicing God. It should be, should, house should be learning how to honor God. The children should know how to respect God. They should go grow up and believe it in him and trust it in him. And it's the parent's job to teach them. The church is the support. We're going to have school too at Church on the Rock. Yes, we are. Yes, we are. For a whole lot of reasons. Yes, we are. We're going to have a school. Praise and praise God. And I'm just throwing that out there right now because, because I don't want heathens teaching our kids, really. I just really don't. I don't. And we got to talk about that. And we got to sit down. We're going to set that up and everything. But that's on my heart to do that, too. So. There's a person may have some recreation time. They may want to go do something in a park or something like that. May go, you know, to a movie, not an R-rated movie or something like that. Basically, married people with children have about two hours left in the day to devote themselves to reading the Bible, meditating the Word. Single people. Let's talk about them. They may have eight hours of sleep. They may have a job they go to. But that whole eight hours that's left is theirs. If they don't want to cook nothing, they don't have to cook nothing. It's just them. You know, I'm talking about single people. You live in your house by yourself or whatever. You may have some bills and responsibilities to pay. Single people have about six hours a day, six hours a day where they can devote themselves to the work of the Lord. That's just kind of like a rule of thumb. So God has to look at, and working your job is godly because the Bible talks about your job being godly. It talks about him being your promoter. It talks about him being your promoter. Your supervisor is not your promoter. You just need to understand that if you want to walk in the supernatural financially, God may tell you to leave that place, and you can't act like this is my supply, this is my source, hanging on, I'm just, you know, and hanging on to a job like it's Jesus. You need to be listening to God because now to accelerate your finances, he may have to move you. 
Somebody came to me and told me about a job. They were applying for a job, and I'm believing with them, praise God. And they went to a place that they said, well, what you want is too much. What you're asking for is too much. I said, did you take a job? What they want? No. I just went somewhere else. I said, good. She said, now I'm working at, I'm looking at another place. What I want, they said, is not too much. Well, they, and they said, well, I'm not really qualified for this job. I never did this before. They don't have nothing to do with it because we are operating under accelerated grace. Amen. I'm telling you this right now. We're talking about, I got to do it here. We're operating under accelerated grace. The ability will come on you to do that job with a shine. I know what I'm talking about because I've lived it. I've lived it where I've never done this before, but the anointing will come on you to perform at a level, praise God, that'll make you stand out in front of people. And it'll put you out in front of people. I said, well, I told him, I said, that's the one you want right there. Because that's what's going to cause you to grow. And I said, the potential in this. And they said, we're ready to help you. We're willing to help you grow in this assignment. I said, all kind of potentials right there. Sometimes people don't, don't be looking at what you just can do. You are looking at what God can do through you. You're not looking, this is not a time to look at what you can do just in your own abilities because redemption does not have you functioning in your own ability. Redemption is about God living through you. Amen, bringing glory and honor to him. He can, he can drop knowledge and wisdom and understanding inside you in a moment of time and you can start functioning supernaturally. The Holy Ghost will come on people, they didn't even know how to play the piano and just start playing. In the Zuza Street. Amen. Praise God. God in, the, in the old covenant, Baziel and Moses and all that, they, they had never built a tabernacle before. God And what God wanted, nobody had ever built. And he put the knowledge and the Holy Ghost came on them to do that assignment. Amen. Praise God. What we need to do, praise God, is just get ready for our service to increase. Amen. And we need to think about this acceleration throughout this year. You need to think about this acceleration throughout this year. And this is how you're going to do it. This is one of the steps you're going to do. Romans chapter 12. I asked you to turn that, didn't I? Romans chapter 12. And this is the steps, one of the steps to live an accelerated lifestyle. Come on now. When I study the Bible, I want to make this statement. God, from the day he started the church, and said, the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. He saw the church in an accelerated mode where they were devoting themselves totally to redemption for the time they had in each and every day. That's what he saw. He saw that. Somehow religion got into the body of Christ and it slowed to pace down to the point the church is the most underutilized real estate in the whole community. Because the building doesn't get used all week long until about 11 o'clock on Sunday morning. By one o'clock, the building goes into total vacancy, unused. It just sits there until those people show back up the next Sunday. And that's not how the New Testament church, uh, I mean the, the first church. There was a time of prayer every day. 
You read about the apostles. They went up to the temple at the time of prayer. They gave themselves continually to the word of God in prayer. And what they were teaching, the people took those two hours or whatever time they got, and they got into their word every day to make sure they were believing in the redemption and the assignment on their life. And in one day, God took a 120 church count to 3,000. In one day, that's acceleration. Just in one day. What happens to a manifestation in a church, any church that increases 3,000 in one day? What happens to that church? Immediately the church has to go into a mode of, of benevolence, children's ministry, all kinds of youth ministry, all kinds of discipleship and training. The church went into such an increase. That's when you get into Acts chapter 6. There was a problem with ministry in the church because there wasn't enough people to serve in benevolence. And frustration came. And what happened? The five-fold ministry said, we can't do this. We can, if we leave the word, it's over. The whole thing is over. So they had to find some people that would step up and take that job. And they called them the first deacons. They were full of the word. Amen, praise God. And no church, a church should never promote deacons without using the standard in the book of Acts. They are full of the word. They're full of the Holy Ghost. They're, it's spoken well of them in their, in their community. They're not given to much wine. Amen. And they honor their marriage. And they raise their children for God. That's the standard for somebody that's supposed to be a deacon. That wasn't the standard with the churches I went to. They were just men with a suit on. I go to the movie theater. They out with their girlfriend. I'm taking Pastor Cynthia to the movies and what are you doing in here? Cuss at a drop of a hat. Stealing out of the offering when you count the money, taking it up. Stealing. Why did y'all, because we want to get men in the church. No. Uh-uh. You can get them in the church, but you got to train them before you make them deacons. You do not give them that assignment. They will hurt the church if you give them that assignment. He said, you take faithful people. You take, before you give somebody an assignment, you make sure they're going to be there to do the assignment. You sit there and watch them, make sure they can just come to church regularly, be on time, and do that. Before you go signing them some kind of job, then thinking that'll keep them here. No, no, they love Jesus. That's what'll keep them here. Amen. Look what he says right here. I beseech you, brother, Romans chapter 12, verse 1. We're talking about acceleration. It's the word for this year. It's always been the word, but finally God is getting through some of his leaders in the body of Christ because the fivefold ministry sets the pace for the church. And he says he's getting to the church. He says, tell them I want things stepped up. That's what he's saying. I want to take the same amount of time that I want to take the same amount of time I used last year. And if I look at the productivity of the church, how people grew spiritually, how people got delivered, how people got filled with the Holy Ghost, how people started getting involved in ministry helps, how people got in assignments, how people got saved, how, how people prospered in the church, how expansion took place, how the word went out across the, across the globe. I want more of it to happen in the same amount of time. So we got to find out how that happens. One of the things Jesse Plain said last night, people got to start spending time with God. Yeah. 
They got to have start having private conversations with him. Lord, where do you really want me? Am I, am I really in the right occupation? Or did I just do something just to be doing something to get some money? Am I really doing what heaven wants me to do? And you'll never find it out without time of intimacy with him. And that's what he talked about. And prayer is intimacy with God. It's talking to him. He said, I'm not talking about praying. He said, I'm talking about God communicating with you. Well, to me, prayer is communication. If you're not hearing back from God, it's not communication. It's not intimacy. If I'm, not, if I'm just saying stuff or I'm not saying nothing at all, it's not prayer. And the church is behind on prayer. The church is uncomfortable in prayer. People don't know how to pray because the disciples said, Lord, teach us how to pray. That we want the same intimacy you're having with the fathers that's producing all these manifestations. Jesus said it was the communication I heard back from the father. That's what taught me what to do. That's what put me in the place of supernatural increase. That's what put me around the people that were going to fund this ministry. That's what put me around the people that were going to help me. Listening to Father, telling me where to go. I listened to him. I found out I was supposed to be living in Capernaum on the seashore. That's how he got all these fishermen. Because he was on the seashore. That's how all these fishermen got in his ministry. They were right there in that economic community, and their job was to fish, and he had a house right on the beach. Amen. And it wasn't a little house. When you can grow, bring 12 grown men in your house, Amen. And then bring another 70 in your house and train all these people in your house. He didn't have a little cracker box house. When somebody, and when they tore the roof off the house, you should have realized that was Jesus' house and Lord demanded. And the house was packed with capacity. Amen. If it had been anybody else's house and the roof came off, service over. Y'all got to go. Y'all just tore my roof up in here. I don't care how much you love Jesus. Jesus, can you have your meeting somewhere else? <laughs> I got a roof problem. No, that was his house. That was his headquarters. It's where he trained his disciples. It's where he taught them how to be ministers of the gospel and how to take the gospel around the world. And he had to have a place to do it. And so he trained them there. Well, praise God, we got to have a place to disciple that's why we're building out there on that hill on Dickerson Road. That's why we're building. We're going to build on this side too. Praise God. God is expanding us. I want this message. I want this message throughout this city. And you need to be capable enough of ministering. You should be paying attention. People shouldn't be. And there was a, there was a lady. It was in my neighborhood. She was having problems. And a person came to her for salvation. And she couldn't even lead him to the Lord. Couldn't lead him. And we'll tell you today, she's a born-again Christian. Got a Bible. Go to church when they feel like it. And can't lead nobody to the Lord. And we have Christians today that's living that have never led anybody to the Lord. And you say you're a child of God. And the only reason why you can't because it's, it's a failure of application. He said, he said I don't, don't go make me members. Make me disciples. I'm not asking you for membership. That's not your job. I'm asking you for people who can do the work of the ministry. You train them to do the work of the ministry. I'm not asking you to have a big building full of people that can't pray and like your personality. 
And like all the smoke and lights and members you got set up, they got the whole church look like a, a rock, a rock, a club, and some kind of concert so they can feel comfortable. And if you get in there and get them saved, you're going to have to turn the smoke off and turn the lights on and make disciples out of them. And, but if that's all they came there for, as soon as you turn the lights on, they leave it. And God forbid you say something about tithing. Amen. We do around here. That's why we kept rolling. We kept rolling, building right in the middle of the pandemic. He said, I beseech you, therefore, brother, by the mercy of God, that you present your body as a living sacrifice. Holy. Not out there. Holy. Holy means totally consecrated to God. Pastor Cynthia is holy unto me. She don't have nobody texting her, calling the house. It's holy to me. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Brother Jerry, is anybody calling your house? Then Jerry is holy. Brother Jim, anybody calling your house? No, then Jim got a holy house. What about you, Jim, back there? Nobody, what about you, MJ? Matt, anybody calling your house? Amen. Praise God. I about back, back over here, Adrian? Telemarketers, that's it. <laughs> He's got to, he going to have to go home and talk. He's going to have to work some things out. He got some telemarketers calling. All right, praise God. Keep it holy up in here. All right. Amen. He said, I want you to present. God says, I want you exclusively to myself. I want you exclusive. Here's what people got to understand about redemption. Redemption means to buy you back. Buy you back from another owner that really doesn't have rightful ownership to you. But you still have to be purchased back. Until Jesus came, we belong to darkness. You are under control of the enemy. Satan, a ruthless being. That's who everybody belongs to if they don't belong to Jesus. They belong to him. And if they were, you know, some workers in the building today, when he said, he was talking about people, we was talking about preaching the gospel. He said, I don't see how people can't say it's God. No, they can't, really. To be birthed is a miracle. To see life, new life come in the planet, that's God. To see people pass away. A funeral is the greatest time to get somebody saved that ain't saved. Yes, it is. Miss Retro, she went to a funeral and praise God, and I was doing the words of comfort. She's been here ever since. <laughs> She's been here ever since. When I got up and said, death is not the end, you're going to still exist, but your, your, your decisions on this planet determine who you exist with, either with God forever or in the lake of fire forever. But this ain't the end of it. Your body, you just stopped using that body. But you didn't stop existing. You're going to exist forever. And uh, the Bible said you could just look at creation. Planet sitting out here in the middle of nowhere, nothing holding up. Neil Armstrong, how many people know who Neil Armstrong, one of the astronauts, famous astronauts in, the, in, in American history. The last time he went up, I think he was in his 60s or 70s, maybe even older. He said, I turned around and looked at the planet. He said, there's no way you can turn around and look at this planet and say there is no God 
Stuff just don't pop out of nowhere. He created it all. And the Bible says, I'm going to judge you because of the creation. You should ask yourself, where did all this come from? And the chicken you eating too. You should have asked yourself where that chicken come from. You should have asked yourself which one came first, the chicken or the egg. That should have got you saved right there. The answer to that question ought to got you saved and sanctified and full of the Holy Ghost. I'm going to be able to judge you by creation even in and of itself. I said, they know it's a God. But they pulled the plan Adam pulled. I want all your stuff but I don't want you. I want the ability to do what I want to do when I get ready to do it, and I don't want you involved in it. I want to exist without you, and the devil gave them, gave them this lie that you can have a great life without God. And people get up every day and do it. That is the only other invitation. You don't need God. You don't need his Bible. You don't need his church. You don't need to pray to him. Go out and just feel the vibes and the energy out there. Well, that energy is God's energy. That's the sun beaming down on your behind. Amen. That's the sun that God put up there. And it's sitting up there burning and burning and burning, and there's no Exxon trucks filling it up. It's just sitting out there burning, and it's been burning for thousands of years. And, no, and it's, not, it's no extension cord plugged up to it. You want to act like it's no God? Because you're the, you're the father is a devil. You like doing lewd stuff. You like doing that. It makes your flesh feel good, and you're living for that. But you just got a short amount of time. David, the psalmist said, our life is like grass. It's here today and it's gone tomorrow. And you will have been at enough funerals to be able to get some honor for God. Somebody you know had to hit that casket. And the first place they take them, where they take them? That since they roll them in church or a funeral home. And who do they start looking for? <laughs> she pointed at me. She, they want to find a preacher somewhere. Let's find a preacher. Anybody know one? They don't want to have, and just having your buddies talking. No, no. I went to one of them. It's the worst thing. I don't want to go to another one. I pick the funerals I go to. If you know somebody busted hell wide open, don't bring me there and try to get me to say they went to heaven. Don't you do that. You had enough time to talk to them about Jesus. You had enough time to talk to them about redemption and the plan of God. And if they rejected it, then that's on them. They rejected him. He said, you preach the gospel to them. If they believe, they shall be saved. If they reject me, they ain't rejecting you. They shall be damned to eternal damnation. And I need you to get this job done for me because hell was not made for man. It was made for the devil and the fallen angels that went with him. 
It shouldn't be no men getting tossed over into the lake. Especially not your first cousin. After all them picnics, you should have said something. Still been intimidated of what they're going to think and how they're going to feel. You, how can you be comfortable talking about football and not Jesus? How can you be comfortable talking about occupations and not Jesus? And how good the potato salad is. When Jesus gave us the job, Jesus created people that can play that sport. And Jesus created the chicken everybody's pulling apart. Amen. And while you're praying over the mashed potatoes, anybody not saved in here, Lord? I don't want to see them go to hell. Just pray, just pray, ask to bless the food. And then throw that in while you're blessing the food. Lord, we want to thank you for this food. We pray that it will go to the nourishing and strengthen of our bodies. And I don't want to see nobody in here go to hell, Jesus. Touch them while they're in here. Especially, especially baby over there. He ain't serving you, Lord. I don't want to see him burn in hell. In Jesus' name, amen. Everybody go ahead. Amen. Listen to this. All right, come on now. It says, it says, holy, that means God don't want us to touch the world. Come on now. Say, God don't want us to touch the world. He doesn't want us to touch the world. Touch, hold your place right there in, 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 in 1 Corinthians. You're in Romans. Go back to 1 Corinthians and, and look at chapter 6. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 6. We're going to start at verse 18. I had to preach this in this church. I'm going to keep preaching it. It says flee fornication. That's having sex and you're not married to the person. When I preach flee fornication, the fornication is fornicators flee. Listen, it'll kill your church. A fornicator has zero value in terms of producing power. They can still be a child of God. Listen, he's talking to Christians. This is written to the church at Corinth. It's one of the most lewd places in the Bible. It was one of the most carnal churches. A man was sleeping with his dad, his wife. And bringing the church, sitting right in the church, Paul said, oh, no. This got to stop today. It's got to stop today. And preachers do not cover this. See, I'm going to do my job. They can go to church. They can get mad. You can either repent. Humble yourself, repent, so you can live a blessed life. Because I'm telling you, not, your prayer's not going to get answered. You're not going to live a blessed life. I'm just telling you. you got to obey the word of God. I didn't come to church to find out what I was not going to do. I ain't doing that. And then find a preacher that'll preach what you like. And then get mad at me. I don't care about them getting mad. Because when, when, when that trumpet blow up and, 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 and the rapture come, I'm going up. You explain to Jesus. Don't talk to Jesus about it. You ain't going to be talking to me about it no more. Free at last, free at last. Thank God Almighty. <laughs> and that man was glad to get out of here. Don't be feeling sorry for him. Flee fornication. Every sin that a man doeth is without the body. But he that fornica he committed fornication, sin against his own body. Because something can happen to your body. I mean, keep moving on. It get quiet like this. But this is an accelerated year. 
God ain't accelerating no fornicators. Fornicators. potatoes. He's not accelerating that. <laughs> I'm just trying to tell you. You ought to thank God you got a real pastor here that'll read the Bible to you. Let you make your own choice. Instead of just getting in there, oh, it's going to be a celebrated year. Oh, it's going to be a year. You're going to go over the top. It's overflow. The whole church running because Corona's in it. Say amen to it. What? No, you, what? That's what Paul wrote in verse 19. What? What? Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost? which is in you. The Holy Ghost chose to use your house, your body as a house, a launching pad where God can execute the plan of redemption through. That is the greatest value of your body. And you're no longer in the world under the influence of darkness. That God is having to break his church I just read, be ye holy. He's having to break his church from this. Why? Because it's going to, if I don't break my church from this, then the plan of redemption is going to get stressed out. It, we're going to be here longer. We're going to be here longer. It's going to get stretched out. And what he wants to accomplish in this age will not get done. Another one will have to come. This is a replacement church. If you read the prophecies, he said to me, other men have failed me because they will not read this. They will not read this in that church. Go home, watch TBN, watch wherever you want to watch. They will not read this because it's going on in their church and, 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 jo and Jack and Jill are getting mad and get up and leave. Well, roll on down the hill. Because I'm going to have power up in here. When I lay my hands on the sick, I want them to recover. I get calls from hospitals. I got, I got to go to the hospital and actually minister to people and see the power work. I can't have that on my record. I didn't do what God told me to do. And then it don't work. Well, don't work because we have short-circuited Pastor Nancy said for the power to come back, miracles come back, honor got to come back. Amen. The pastor is the biggest fool in the room to let people sit in your church and live lewd lives and to play like we getting something done. He's the biggest fool in the room. That's why most of them die broke and sick. You just line them up. Just line them up. Because you're the first one going to taste what you did to my people. They are not your people. I purchased them with my own blood, and you will teach them right, or I will fire your behind. This is a replacement church because a lot of people in there, and there's some preachers that are dead in this city right here, in the lifetime of this church. Suicide. Know this word will not teach it to the people. You didn't call me to this ministry. I do not work for you. I work for Jesus. I understand that. And if people don't like it, the exercises are clearly marked. 
God is going to raise up a local church. I done had him flip the whole thing. I done had him flip the whole thing. I already seen the thing. As soon as I instituted honor and got the fornicators out and the non-tithers, the church, the whole building in Madison increased. People were parking all around the building. That's why we're building on Dickinson Road. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So if I go to Dickinson Road and do the same thing over, we're going to be pushing more trees down, moving more dirt, putting more pavement in, because of his kingdom there shall be no end. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. Corona coming in and wiped the whole thing out. Preachers running. They ain't got no power. You better run. They got no power. I'm just telling you. Sheila Bacon. Listen right here. We're going to read. We get this word right here. Swallow this. Swallow this. It's broccoli right now. I'm reading on broccoli. I guess I should put up broccoli being served today. You can decide whether you want to come. Broccoli being ministered today. Not Snickers. Broccoli. It's a broccoli day. I guess if I said broccoli, people would know better. Look what it says right here. But people done got healed up in here. Yes, they did. He come right out of intensive care right there. Yes, he did. There he is. Wave your hand back at Adrian. Come right out of intensive care. And there's a lot of people, but a lot of people went out in boxes. In some cities, so many people died of COVID. They lined them up. They, you, they didn't, the funeral home couldn't hold the bodies. Lining them up in gyms and in baskets and putting them in freezers everywhere. Put them in freezers with the rest of the produce and everything. And look at y'all up here at Church on the Rock. Yeah. If it got on your body, it got off. Yeah. Yes, it did. Yeah. Praise God forever. You should have shouted hallelujah. hallelujah. What would it been like if somebody in your family had been gone because of it? Long shut down. And you can't breathe anymore. What, how would that have devastated your house? It's a real virus. But if you got this covering on you. Oh! Don't make me, don't make me get the hollering up in here. The angel of the Lord shut and camp around about you. You've been having the angels encamped around about your house. No plague shall come nigh your dwelling. They don't find being in no hospital now. They don't find being in no hospital now. No, it's not. People giving you shots, you don't even know what kind of shots you get. And there's some hospitals I ain't going to. There's some of them drive right past that one. Take me to St. Thomas if I got to go. St. Thomas, not Midtown St. Thomas. Don't take me downtown. You take me out there on West End. Pass everything up. We got to get you somewhere real quick. Now we got to get you to close to us. No, you don't. It's just like churches. They are not all the same. The church you go to can be the difference between living and dying. And then people out there at St. Thomas on West End, they got some faith. They got it in all things are possible to the believer. They believe in up in there. It makes a difference. You don't believe the heathens work on your body? Come on, they don't believe in God. 
giving you a shot. He <laughs> give me West End. <laughs> you see me in the ambulance? West End, you raise up. West End. If you can't, if if you can't take me there, I will Uber. Get me as far as you can, and let me use your cell phone. <laughs> I ain't moving right along. Praise God. <laughs> it's an accelerated year, y'all. Yeah. It's so accelerated, we out of time right now. We just accelerated on through the night. It's 8 o'clock. <laughs> yeah, praise God. But you know who your body belongs to. Jesus purchased it with his own blood. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which is God. He'll keep it healthy. He'll keep it whole. It don't belong to the devil anymore. It don't belong to the fornicated. The marriage bed is holy. Get married and live. <laughs> I got all. I got. I got. I, I got an alternative for you. Don't fornicate. Get married and live. Say, honey, we ain't going to die. <laughs> We're not going to die now. The Bible said flee fornication. Go get married. That's a high level of exposure. Go get married. Hallelujah. It said if you cannot contain yourself. Now you know you. <laughs> you know you. Amen. Go to your mirror and say, you know you. And if you cannot contain yourself, you just on fire. Get married. And then if you bring up marriage, no, I ain't ready for that. Then you know what you're dealing with. The 666. All right, moving around along. And it says right here, ye are brought with a price. And it's the blood of Jesus. He pulled your body from the devil. Redemption means I take your body from his control. Oh, boy, I wish I could go to Isaiah 53. I pulled your body away from him. You ought to go off. If the devil, after Jesus done pulled you to himself, and he trying to reach over and touch your body, you ought to go off on him. I don't even belong to you no more. I dare you put something on me. I dare your stuff come near me. In the name of Jesus, you use your authority. You command them the germs. They will die at the voice of your word. They will hear your voice. In the name of Jesus, every knee in heaven, everything in the earth and under earth has to bow to his name. He purchased you with his own blood and pulled you out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son. The devil is trespassing. Corona is a trespassment. You run him off your property. Get out of here. 
I tell you? I got an attitude. I get riled up enough, I get two swords of the spirit, and I just start swinging. I just start cutting everything. I start swinging the sword of the spirit. I cut everything that moves. Get out of here in the name of Jesus. No weapon formed against me can prosper in the name of Jesus. Yes, I do. I go off. I go, I go straight word off. I be cutting demons that shouldn't have got cut. They just came over there to watch and see what... <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> Moving right along. But see, if I'm over there and playing in that, then he steals your confidence. All he's after is your confidence and faith. Well, you can no longer produce redemption with your faith for yourself or for your family. That's what he's after. And then God is so merciful. If you confess your sins, even though you went over and played in the mud, rolled over in the mud, if you confess your sins, I will be faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and to cleanse you of all unrighteous. Forgive us our trespasses. We've been over there again, Jesus. And you'll have to use your faith that you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And until you get to that standard of righteousness, your faith won't work. Until you are convinced of your own right standing with God, God is so merciful. I was reading today, he said, my mercy and grace, I excel in abundance of mercy and grace. Though your sins be like scarlet, I will wash them as white as new, as white as, white as snow. He who knew no sin took our sin and became sin, became our sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God. You are as righteous as God is. You ain't got time to clam back over the devil's fence, going back over and playing in his mud hole. You present your body holy and acceptable to God in this accelerated year. You tell the devil, I ain't got time to play with you. Turn on dirty, dirty, dirty. I told you we have no time for that foolishness. And talk to him like that because he in there. Don't think he's not in there. Well, won't you watch that? I told you. Now, he's a persistent cuss. I told you. This is an accelerated year. I got promotion on the line. I got things that I have not seen, nor ear heard, neither entered into the heart of man. It's already prepared for me. Don't you want to see me walk in it, Satan? Why you don't want me to walk in that? You can't. You're on your way to hell. I heard they dug a pit for you. Here it is. I hope they let me help kick you in it. <laughs> yes, sir. 
Read the book. We're getting rid of his behind. He getting out of here. And he so want us dragging. And the longer we drag, he's terrified. Dr. Rogan is over there preaching acceleration. He's terrified. What if somebody hears him? What if somebody hears him and go to millionaire status? And they pay all that building off. Buy all that land up there and push it down. And more people can come in here and hear this. Yeah. God done fired a whole bunch of preachers. Fired them. I can tell you, I can give you the fired list if you want it. I can give you the list. The chance we had in Brentwood from, was from a fired man. You were sitting on a fired preacher's chair. And he knew he was fired. He told Dr. Dufresne, I messed up. I messed up. I just ain't going to live my life like that. I preached a message on living without regrets. You need to know the regret you'll, that the enemy is trying to tempt you with. You don't want to get to a place, man, I should have known better. You're not going to feel good unless you hear, well done, thy good and faithful servant. You are the servants of Jesus Christ, but he's your brother, and he's counting on you. You are in the family of God. You no longer belong to the kingdom of darkness. Come out from among them. Amen. That's what it's going to say over in the second Corinthians, if it ain't right here. Come out from among them and be separate. Separate means to be holy. The first thing you got to do in the celebrated year is to holify your own life so you can begin to hear from the Spirit of God. It's like a woman or a man cheating on their mate, playing in the devil's territory. That's what God equates it to. You are brought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are. pay for you. Redemption means you were under the dictatorship of a slave owner. His name is Satan. And Jesus said to Father, prepare me a body. Give me a body. Because the price of their redemption is blood. Without the shedding of blood, there can be no wiping out of sin. Can't be the blood of the sinner. It has to be the blood of a perfect man. The blood of a sinner pays the price for the sinner and nobody else. And you deserve the death you got because you're a sinner. You deserve the death you got, and you get you and you deserve the hell you're going to. You deserve it. God says, I get no, he said, I don't get any pleasure out of the wicked. 
perishing? And God says, I like what Jesse Planter said like that. Your sin was not your fault. Adam made you a sinner. Listen, the Bible said, but one man sinned. Many were made sinners. So by one man's obedience, when you put your faith in him, many are made righteous. Sin ain't your fault. Thinking crazy ain't your fault. Drinking Beaujolais was not your fault. Getting high was not your fault. You were cloaked in a world of sin from the day you were born on this planet. That's why you was a baby. You didn't want to share your toys and taking other people's toys and pulling them. Learn selfishness as a little child because of nature sins there. Animals weren't supposed to eat each other up. The day will come, he said, the lion will lay down with the lamb. To put things back like they're supposed to be. One's supposed to hate people so much you call them all kind of names and use profanity. That's not the creation God made. Creation God made is holy. In his, in, his, in his image and his likeness and after him. And Jesus said, I'm going to put it back like you. Created it, Father. The Father said, we need a sacrifice. We need a blood that will wash away the sins of the world. And when he showed up, in, he showed up at the River Jordan to be baptized, and, and John the Baptist looked at him and said, Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin, the sickness associated with sin, the poverty associated with sin, all the consequences and the byproducts of sin. Behold the Lamb of God that takes it away. And because you learn how to live in that kind of liberty, you get up and you give him the praise. You, you, I could, I, 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 one thing I can do, I couldn't get myself free, but I can praise you. I'm praising you and giving you glory for the liberty that I have. And however you need me to serve so that somebody else can get free, sign me up. Hallelujah. And this is a year it's going fast, y'all. Oh, glory to God. There's a glory that's about ready to, he talked about the exceeding glory. I ain't got time to preach on that tonight. There's accelerated glory that's going to come on you. Praise God forever. It's going to revitalize your body, your finances. Praise God. You're going to serve God in a glorified state. Hallelujah. Whom he justified. Whom he justified. He glorified. And if I freely gave you Jesus, I can give you all things. Get ready for the overflow. I'm ready to do it. We just got to catch up with it. Oh, I'm going. Yes, I am. I'm going. I'm telling you I'm going. 
So they don't tell them what I'm going to come in here and preach on. I may have you shouting. I might have you frowning. Feel like your toes been run over. Pass it on lovers. He mean. No, God said I chastise them who I love. Kenneth Copeland said it's going to be a year of correction. It's going to be a year of correction. It's going to be a year of direction. I told you it's going to take you to your welfare place. But you got to be listening. And it's a year of protection. You've already been protected pretty good. But now you're going to get that premium protection. You've been using the regular plan. Now you're going to go to a premium protection. Corona died out there in the street in front of your house. It died, it died, it died out there in the street. I got it where it can't even come up my street. I got the premium package, you see. I got the premium package. It stops it from coming up the street. I live right off Dickens Road. It got to go right on up the street past my house. Then when it gets to church on the rock, it got to get on the other side of the street just to pass by. It got to get on the other side of the street, go on up, then come back across. You think I'm playing, don't you? I know I'm not playing with you. He said, no plague shall come nigh. Nigh means close. I don't want it even close to your house. Wherever you dwell, I don't want it even close to it. I don't, where you live at, the covenant says, the plague shall not come nigh. That means close. I don't even want it leaning against the house. It just dies in the air around you. You caught up in the glory. <laughs> it just dies around you. The Bible said heels melt like wax. It ain't falling because of you. It's falling, falling because of the glory you gonna got to come. And the presence of God is with you, protecting you and perfecting. It's a year of perfection. We are perfecting Psalms 91. We are perfecting 1 Peter 2, 24. Hallelujah. Praise God. Yeah, Pastor Cynthia was checking her stuff out today. Praise God. She jumped in the car, started driving. She ain't been driving a long time. I'm going to tell your testimony for you. You ain't going to act like Jesus ain't never done nothing for you sitting in here. She ain't been driving a while. I came back to the house, and I couldn't find her in the house. I said, I know the rapture didn't take place up in here. I said, Lord, ain't no way you taking her. Leaving me here. But in some cases, they said one going to be in the bed, the other going to be still sleeping. <laughs> it said one going to be in the bed. When the, when the rapture comes, one, the Bible said. So if you, if you know somebody in your house ain't saved and you sleep in the bed with them, say, honey, you better hold me tight tonight. Because he said he coming like a thief in the night. And I don't want you left behind, so you better hold on. I try to drag you up with my stuff. Hold on tight. Don't turn loose. <laughs> hold on. 
you will roll over out of it. Just turn loose of me and roll over. And, and I'll be on the other side of the bed. You wake up in the morning, be looking for us. The Bible says you be looking for. You know how they try to find you with, and they don't want to open their eyes. You know how they try to find you in the bed and, and they don't open their eyes. I'll be doing that trying to find out with Pastor Cynthia. <laughs> if you hit a couple of times, you don't feel nothing, you open your eyes. He said, something ain't right. I said, say something when you're getting up going out of here. Leaving out of here. Say something, you know you're getting up. See, you married a long time, you sense stuff, you don't even know it. You married a long time, you tell somebody out of bed, you, you just wake up. <laughs> well, praise the Lord. <laughs> Go ahead and stand to your feet. Let's pray. Lift your hands.